Our gospel this morning is from Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at the 15th verse. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, If two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat. He said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will do will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Our gospels lately have been ones that you you get done with them and you just kind of go, Oh, really? Um, And at least I always feel like we could add a question mark to the word of the Lord, like, um, thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to God, tortured for all eternity? Doesn't sound great. Um, 
If you haven't figured out by now, our worship service today, our theme for the day is forgiveness. I mean, not only is it on the front cover of your bulletin, but everything we've done so far has centered around forgiveness. Um, and if you missed it, I'll excuse you, it is daylight savings time, and um, I mean, clearly it was hard to get here based on the number of people who have gathered. Um, Jesus talks about forgiveness about as often as Minnesotans talk about the weather. Which, given this particular season, I, um, I don't know about you, but it's all I hear people talking about. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. And the reason I think we talk about the weather so much is because it affects so much of our lives, right? It affects how we're going to get to where we need to go. It affects how we feel, our outlook. And that's true for forgiveness, too. Um, forgiveness um, affects our relationships with other people, it affects our moods, it affects how we live from day to day. And so there is a reason Jesus spends so much time talking about forgiving others, how to do it, and why we do it. You don't really have to look very far to find extraordinary stories of forgiveness. If you put forgiveness stories in your web browser, it's not like some other things that you search for and there's like two links. There's like pages upon pages about stories of forgiveness and there's some really extraordinary ones. And people have gone out of their way to tell these stories because they are so transformational. And they are doing projects like there's a forgiveness project that seeks to tell stories to help other people forgive. Because forgiveness is so important. And these stories are extraordinary. I, I heard a story this past week about a mother who forgave the man who murdered her son. And not only did she forgive him, but she now considers this person her her son, she calls him her son, and they travel around the United States telling their story of forgiveness and reconciliation and healing. So this happens, and we, when we hear these stories, we're inspired by them. There are faith communities that do this as well. About 10 years ago, there was um, this story called Amish Grace about an Amish community where there was a school shooting. Five of the kids were killed, three seriously injured, and the Amish community showed up at the funeral of the man who had killed their children and ministered to his family. And part of the reason these, the, the um, Amish people did it was because they were so inspired or moved by um, the gospel story and the urging of God to forgive them. In fact, I read the book and I remember them talking about that they preached on forgiveness for like a month every year. A month. Can you imagine if we preached about the same thing for a month? Um, and so this was really part of who they are. There are stories of Muslim communities who have forgiven the people who have, um, who have um, like graffitied their, their mosques and stuff and attacked them. And it, they're really inspirational. So I share this with you because I think, you know, forgiveness is hard. We gravitate towards these stories or want to hear them because... Um, our own lives, we recognize, you know, how hard it is to forgive maybe our neighbor or our friend for doing something that isn't anything like murdering our child. So how in the world are they able to forgive when it's so difficult for each of us? And so I think it's important that we spend some time thinking about forgiveness, how we do it, how we learn how to do it, and um, ways to ex ex um, 
extend that forgiveness to other people. When I was a young mother, I remember trying to teach my kids the basic steps of forgiveness. Um, and I, I probably didn't do it right. Um, that's my confession. I remember um, putting a kid in timeout when the other kid had been hurt, um, which was like kind of our normal act. I think my kids spent a lot of time on the steps in our old home, and they could tell you that was like not the best place to be. Um, and I remember trying to like calm down the crying child and then going to talk to the kids sitting on the steps. And my way of teaching forgiveness at this point in time was, now you need to say you're sorry. And my kids never had any problem talking back to me, which maybe is a problem in itself. And so I remember a preschooler looking at me and saying, well, I didn't mean to hurt her. So I'm not really sorry. And I said, well, you did hurt her, so you will say you're sorry. And then it kind of went like this. I'm sorry. Which was super genuine, as you can see, um, and transformational. And clearly I should teach a class on this. No, it wasn't at all. I would think to myself, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I don't think the kid learned anything. And now I'm teaching to say you're sorry, even when you don't mean it. Maybe I'm messing it all up. I remember later going to a parenting class and we talked about forgiveness and teaching your kids forgiveness. And one of the things I learned was when you say you're sorry, that you should actually continue there. So you don't just say, I'm sorry, but then you would say, will you forgive me? And the instructor talked about when we ask for forgiveness, that there's a power shift. So if I've hurt you, for instance, Dick, and I just say I'm sorry, then I walk away, I still like don't have to wait for your response. But when I'm vulnerable enough to say, will you forgive me, all of a sudden you have an option and a choice to say yes or no. Well, that was all well and good to learn about until like I actually had to execute it. So I remember one particular morning, mornings are always rough with little kids in the house, and we got in the car, and I don't remember the details, but I know that I hadn't been the best parent in the world, and that there was a need for me to say I'm sorry. So I said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And here I have this like preschooler in the back seat in a car seat, and there was this silence. And I thought, oh my gosh, the kid's not going to forgive me. And a minute, it wasn't that long, but it felt like eternity. And then that child said, yes, mommy, I forgive you. And I thought, well, there's something good there. There's a vulnerability that we experience when we ask someone to forgive us. And it does allow that other person to actually feel, you know, something beyond that just I'm sorry um, feeling. So as Christians, as people of faith, forgiveness is central to who we are. It's part of what we do. It's part of how we live. I'd love for you to pick up your worship bulletin this morning. Our worship service has forgiveness all over it, right? So let's take a look at it. What do we start off with? What's one of the first things we do? Yell it out. Confession and forgiveness. Yeah, the first thing we do when we start church after announcements and such is we go before God and we ask for forgiveness. What else? Do we see any other points in our service where we talk about forgiveness? Now, the, now the whole gospel today is about forgiveness, so you don't have to name that. What? The Lord's Prayer. We have forgiveness in that. Exactly. The prayer of the day today has forgiveness at, at its center. 
The sharing of peace is a place of forgiveness. So the sharing of peace happens when? Before or after communion? Before. So we don't do this right. I mean, maybe some of you do, but for the most part, we go around and I say, hi, Bill, good to see you this morning. Peace be with you. But the, but the um, sharing of peace is actually supposed to be the moment in the church service where you go and you reconcile with your neighbor. So you, if I had harmed Carol in some way, shape, or form, before I can go to the communion table, I need to go up to her and extend an invitation of peace to say I'm sorry if I've harmed her and ask for forgiveness so that when we come to communion, we can kneel side by side, being forgiven not only by God, but by our neighbors, and then taste on our lips and in our mouths um, that forgiveness that's been given to us all around. Forgiveness is all over our worship service, um, and for a reason, because it's hard. Now, we don't do this right. Um, as I said, we greet each other. Our family's been watching the television show, The Kids Are All Right, which is a story about a Catholic family um, in the 1970s, and these parents are pretty old-school parents. They're, they, they make me feel good about my parenting, um, and they, there's one episode where they, the um, lamp over the dining room table has been broken. But there are eight boys, and so they kind of bound together, and nobody's going to tell who broke the lamp, even though the mom daily is looking for a confession. Are you the one who broke my lamp? But it slips out. Timmy, the main character, slips, and he accidentally tells on his brother William and so you, as soon as it happens, I mean, they're not sorry to their mom, but he is immensely sorry to William that he told on his brother. And so he turns to him and he's like, please forgive me. And William's like, no. And then the next scene, they're in church together, all lined up in the row, good Catholic people, and they get to the sharing of peace, and Timmy turns to William and says, forgive me, William. And William is like, not going to have it. They go to communion, and he doesn't accept the. For, he doesn't forgive him at that point in time. You got to watch the rest of the episode. But I thought, yep, that's what we do, right? We know what we're supposed to do, but that doesn't mean we do it. We struggle to forgive one another because it's hard. Jesus gives step-by-step instructions in our gospel for today about how to live in community with each other and how to forgive within a church body. And then I love how Peter turns to him and goes, well, how many times do I have to forgive? Which, you know, I wonder, was Peter paying attention? Obviously a lot. But the question becomes, how do we do this? I had a, a parishioner at my last church after I preached on forgiveness once come up to me and say, all right, I know I should do it, but how do we do it, Pastor Joanna? He was a counselor for people, and he said, I meet people who have been so hurt by abuse in their lives or have had um, infidelity infect their marriage. How do I help people forgive one another? Because it is so important and so hard. So here's a few steps. Number one, one of the things we need to acknowledge is when we forgive someone, we have a choice in the matter. We choose to forgive or choose not to forgive. But when we choose, um, choosing to forgive is actually an empowering move. 
we might think if I forgive someone that I'm allowing what they did to me to not matter anymore. And that's not true at all. You're not a doormat because you forgive someone. In fact, you have decided I'm not going to let you have power over me so that what you did continues to infect and affect my life. Um, when we don't forgive someone, it actually, they have found it has not only emotional and psychological effects, but physical harm comes to our bodies. People are more likely to have strokes or heart attacks, anxiety, and depression when we aren't able to forgive. It's really difficult. Number two, we don't need to forgive and forget. We need to get rid of that saying. God can forgive and forget, but we forgive and remember. Desmond Tutu um, talks about this along with an Episcopal priest who specializes in forgiveness. And they say forgiving and remembering are an essential part of of how we forgive. We need to tell our stories about the harm that has been done to us, acknowledge the pain that has happened to ourselves and our bodies, and then and only then are we able to move forward. I went to this class with that guy from my last congregation, and they told us, you know, you should put an empty chair in a room, get all the emotions out, yell at the chair, assuming it's a person who, like, imagining it's a person who hurt you, cry the ugly cry, and after that, you can kind of move forward. You have to allow yourself to feel those emotions and, and express it. You can forgive someone when they aren't sorry. They don't have to be sorry. They don't have to ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is about you. And then the third step of forgiveness is to think positive things towards that person. So to kind of have like, I wish you well-being. Now, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You can forgive someone and not be in relationship with them. That's okay. Um, but it's, it's kind of saying, you can go live out in the world, and I'm not going to feel like hope for harmful things to happen for you, but for good things to happen to you. But I don't need to be in this relationship. You don't need to stay in a relationship where there is abuse um, or harm that's going to continue to be done on you, but you can still forgive that person. Um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu says this about forgiveness. He says, we are able to forgive because we are able to recognize our shared humanity. We are able to recognize that we are all fragile, vulnerable, flawed human beings capable of thoughtlessness and great cruelty. So I sometimes think the reason I'm able to forgive someone is because I know that I need forgiveness too. Our story of faith is a story where we have a God who has forgiven us over and over again and then who dares to come into our world in flesh and blood. Jesus had brothers and sisters. I'm sure he knew he had about forgiveness from that. He had a mother and father and friends who bickered amongst themselves. He knew how important forgiveness was for our relationships and he suffered under the cruelty of human hands. And it is from the cross that Jesus demonstrates the most transformational story of forgiveness of them all by asking God to forgive us. In life and in death, Jesus extends his arms in forgiveness. He comes back to his disciples, shows his scars, breathes peace upon them, extending forgiveness and then eating with them, just like we do in church. All of those steps of forgiveness happens within our gospel story. 
God loves us enough to forgive us and cares that we forgive one another and invites us to follow the footsteps of Jesus and forgiving each other in love. Amen.